listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 377. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, to discuss season one, episode three of the Netflix original series, Hemlock Grove, as part of our continuing Patreon reward program. And it's been a while for me. Uh, you've seen the whole series, right? Yes, but it's been, like you said, it's been a while. Now, I was looking at the dates, and that had to be one of Netflix's first original shows. I mean, you know, in, in the early stages, I mean, 2013, I mean, I'm not sure when Netflix really got rolling. I mean, I, I remember when Netflix was, you know, they mailed you the DVDs. Right. Um, I, I think this might be the first Netflix series that I watched. Okay. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the firsts. Okay. And did you watch it? near when it dropped originally or uh i believe so oh okay i think so i definitely watched season one you know and then see you know like i didn't do all three seasons at once like you know just i came up on season three uh i'm pretty sure you know because it's uh eli roth a, a pretty big fan of his so when i saw his name attached to this i figured i'd check it out all right, and this is the third episode of Hemlock Grove that we've done for Fred as part of the Patreon program. It's like one a year. I think the first one was actually 2016, maybe, <laughs> and then uh, we did episode two in 2019. Well, I don't so, think we did um, episode one for Fred. I think we just did episode oh, you're one. Right. It's just you're, we were doing like a one-off type that's right, exactly. And, you know, now that you mentioned that, that little period where we, I think it was like five or six weeks where we, we couldn't decide what we wanted to do. So we had a short list. We watched each pilot episode and then made our decision. And I believe our decision was the librarians, which then morphed into all four seasons of, of that sure. series. But one of the shows that we did do in that group was stargate sg1 and we'll go ahead and announce that that's going to be the next show we cover here on sci-fi tv rewatch and, and dude the great thing is we're covered through like now 2036 something like that because you got 10 seasons 22 episodes each season i mean yeah i'm, you know, I'm feeling like we're not going past season one maybe but yeah, yeah. you never know you never know yeah but uh what we are going to do is break up this first episode because what they did was they really aired the first two episodes together on one night and that's how we covered it way back in 2016 or whenever it was but we're going to look at just episode one next week and then part two of this opening the following week and then and then go from there uh, i don't think either of us is a big fan of covering double episodes it just it just gets too difficult, you know? It, yeah. it, well, you end up not really, you know, it's not like we spend double the time on it. We, you know, talk about both episodes during the, you know, our regular about approximately 50 minutes that we give ourselves. And so, you know, we kind of give, I think, a little bit maybe short shrift to, you know, the episodes sometimes. Though I shouldn't say that because then when we want to do that, people are like, hey, wait a second, you know? Anyway, so we, we did give some background on the series way back when. If you want to check out the beginning of that episode, maybe that's a good idea. We'll, we'll still talk about some of the origins of the series next week, but 
probably not in as much detail as we did that time. Yeah. But well, also, I think that a lot of people might be saying, well, David Wayne, there's like tons of Stargate podcast. Actually, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't looked. But I assume there's probably quite a few Stargate podcasts. But the wrinkle we're going to bring to this is Dave, being a huge Stargate fan, has seen everything. And me, having only seen the Kurt Russell movie, well, and the two episodes we did, you know, back in the day, being a complete newbie to the Stargate universe, well, not complete, but pretty much. And uh, I promise this time I will not watch ahead. So what you'll get each time, I think that that dynamic is going to be kind of cool, is me seeing things for the first time and you knowing what's going on and what's going to happen and everything. Cool. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to it. And, and as you said, I think that's a cool dynamic and it's certainly happened with us in the past. It seems like it's usually you that have seen the show and, and I'm watching it for the first time, but eh, that may not be true either. So um, they say the memory's the first to go. Yeah, but uh, they do say that. Yeah. Or did they? I can't remember. I don't Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, we're looking forward to it. And I'm just going to say this real quickly. We've made a point over the years of not talking politics on sci-fi TV rewatching. Dude, it is fucking getting impossible for me. I'm I'm still going to control myself, but I feel like I'm living in a dystopian movie. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. Right. But not one where you get to have sex with whoever you want, though. A good point. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's like a bad dystopia. All right. Uh, tip of the week, what we're watching. I don't know if you saw the series finale of The 100 after seven no. seasons, 100 episodes. Did you see it? I did not. I I, um, I, I lost faith. Oh. <laughs> I made it uh, maybe three, two, three episodes into the new season. And I, I, I think what I will do, because I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like, I was like a little bit behind, so I always had to watch like the on-demand version with commercials and shit. And um, you know, I just and I wasn't liking it very much uh, at all. And so I just said, I'll uh, you know, I'll wait till it's all done, and then when it uh, pops up on Netflix, then I'll I'll watch the last season. Well, they're advertising it coming soon on netflix i think they might have even given a date sometime in october season seven so i still don't know because i really was really not enjoying that last season okay even a little bit so well well i did like the resolution some people might have a problem with it i I haven't really read much yet about it but i liked it i i i liked how they handled clark and I'll, i'll just leave it at that but the other show that uh I just binged is also on Netflix. It just dropped and, and you know, you, it's probably on your short list and that is Emily in Paris starring Lily Collins. I mean, it's no gossip girl, but you've seen it, right? Um, were you just speaking English? I don't, I don't know any <laughs> of those words that you just used at all. So, all right. well, <laughs> it's starring Lily Collins, you know, daughter of Joan Collins, Phil Collins. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. Um, Joan Collins is really old. Look, you know, it, it was a fun, quick run. They're like 25-minute so episodes. So you're serious? You actually I'm did serious. watch that? Yeah, yes. Well, wow. I did. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, well, we had just gotten finished one of these. I talk about these dark international crime dramas that my wife and I watch. Well, the Icelandic ones, this was dark even for Iceland. And, you know, we just needed something lighter, and this just dropped, and it was pretty enjoyable. She's like this social media and social media marketing guru who's sent from America to work in the the satellite French marketing firm that carries luxury brands, and of course they all hate her. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I you know, like I said, okay. it's no Gossip Girl, but yeah. Well, you know, I mean, what is? <laughs> all right, what do you got? Um, I really haven't <clears throat> picked up anything new. Um, just uh, still working my way uh, slowly through Ozark, uh, which is you know it's still very good. And uh, but you know, and, and I've been talking a lot about uh, Lovecraft Country, and that just that I mean that show is just just man, it's just so so good and you know i think part of like what i like about it is that they i mean they do have kind of a continuing narrative but really each story is it's like kind of a standalone but kind of not you know but it's just uh just really really great and i think poignant and delivers a really uh strong message overall that uh it's really good so right, but yeah cool. but i haven't haven't picked up anything new Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just gave you a tip there. We'll see if you uh, yeah, follow up on I, it. I don't see that happening. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk some Hemlock Grove. Episode three, season one, titled The Order of the Dragon, written by Brian McGreevy and Lee Shipman, who also wrote 101 and 102, directed by Darren Serafian, who directed 102. And this dropped on Netflix April 19th, 2013. Jeez. Now, unlike Fred, who, who mentions in his feedback that he went back and rewatched episodes one and two, went back and listened to the podcasts again, I did none of the above. So, you <laughs> I know, I did, <laughs> I did, I did, I did kind of take a peek at my notes from episodes one and two, but I was trying to get reacquainted on the fly. Fred also asks in his feedback that since I mentioned last year that I would probably go ahead and watch episode three and he was wondering whether I kept my word and watched it now or watched it then well when I went to Netflix episode three had the little red line under that episode so oh. clearly I did watch it which is by the way a tremendous feature on Netflix I love that yeah um, but when you go back to watch something you've already watched it's not very helpful yeah well true but it let me know I did watch it because certain things did seem familiar right away. And, you know, knowing that we're not going to continue talking about Hemlock Grove, it, it makes these podcasts a little bit different in, in terms of dynamics. I, again, I know you've seen it and, you know, maybe it'll be another year or so before <laughs> we look at episode four. But I, I love this small Pennsylvania town feel that, that that the show has, and I don't know if that's really Pennsylvania where they film that, it. It probably is. No, actually, it's not. I, I looked it up because that place looks a hell of a lot like Western Pennsylvania. Um, I travel up through there often when I go up to Buffalo to visit my family, um, and I go right through the area that is supposed to be 
uh, which obviously is supposed to be, it looks like a lot, this little place called, if you've ever seen Warren, Pennsylvania, um, really looks like that town. Like, I, I, at first I thought that's where they filmed it, um, but no, they filmed it in Ontario, actually. Oh, okay. Well, not a surprise, given what we know no. about genre television shows and quite a few ordinary dramas as well filming in Canada. I mean, the place they found is like freaking Western Pennsylvania in, in Canada. It is yeah. so dead on for that area. It's, it is really quite um, – I, I, was, I was shocked that they, that they didn't actually film it in, in Pennsylvania. Well, also had to get reacquainted with some of the supernatural beings, and, and obviously one of the questions in this episode is whether or not the Vargolf is really responsible for killing these uh, young women – or whether, you know, it's it's Peter and he just doesn't know it's him yet. So that's kind of Roman. Cool. Who also? Or is it Roman? Right. I mean, know he, it's he, him. Or I mean, Roman doesn't know he's an Upir yet. Correct. I believe he does not. He certainly okay. doesn't act like he does. Right. But he and, but he is able to. As we saw here, he was able to to kind of wield his power. So I think he realizes there's something about himself you know well yeah and that's not really entirely clear yet either how much power he has how much does he know he has i mean well he made that kid kiss that other kid in the hallway yeah but you know but given his family's standing in the town could it possibly be interpreted simply as people are afraid of him because of the power the family wields, and they're going to do it. That's a good point. Or is it like like you're alluding that it's some sort of a supernatural power? And, and I, I'm certainly guessing that's likely going to happen probably quickly in the series. But you know, for now, we don't know. Right. Well, I, I would I would say that if they were so afraid of the family, they wouldn't be making fun of Shelley like that. You know. Well, that's true as well, it's, uh, and, and and you know, speaking of Shelley, uh, what's the deal with Roman washing her feet? Right. right. Is there yeah, some symbolic you know, meaning behind all of that? I, I, I mean, it, it's a it's a biblical thing. You know, I uh, I can't remember. Maybe it's the Last Supper where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and stuff. Yeah, so that's I what I, I, I went with the uh, you know, the biblical well, symbology and, there. Well, right, and that's always a, a not only a safe bet, but usually a, a wise choice as well. I, I just haven't figured out why it's important, why he's doing it. I mean, obviously, his sister, um, you know, is an outcast at this point for obvious reasons, but. You know, within the confines of the home, he doesn't seem the type that would, you know, feel drawn to doing something relatively subservient. Right. So, well, I think that that's exactly. I think you nailed it right there. Is that it is so unexpected or out of character? We would say for this character that it stands out because he is not a person who kowtows to someone else or who is subservient to someone or is even really maybe even like not really nice to other people but with his sister that's a different story 
Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I, I'm almost certain I spoke to this last time we talked about Hemlock Grove, and that's the relationship between Roman and Peter, which is, you know, pretty compelling early on in the series. And I, I guess it seems like there must be some sort of a connection because aren't, aren't they implying that the two of them are having a shared dream? Yes. And, and that there's something supernatural there. But again, we're just in the early stages of that. So, you know, that's, that's cool. And, and look, obviously we've got a lot of supernatural experience in the sci-fi TV rewatch catalog. So, um, you know, whether, you know, because a new peer, I think we looked this up last time is a vampire of some sort. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I guess we're, we're waiting for that. But did you ever watch Twin Peaks? Uh, no. I, you know, I didn't either. And, you know, I, there have been a couple of half-hearted attempts to start watching the original series because it, it is so quirky. It is certainly iconic, I think, to a certain extent. The little bit of Twin Peaks I've seen, I always get that feeling with Hemlock Grove. And mm -hmm. th this opening scene where the girl, and I can't remember what her name is, is walking through the woods, finds half a woman's oh, body. that was Christina. Okay. And her first reaction is that somebody's punking her. Right. Which, on one level, you got to love. Well, I, I don't know if, I, I think maybe I would have a different test before I went and kissed the body, like to check and see if it was an actual body or not, you know? Well, yeah, but it took that so she'd see the maggots crawling and... and uh, True. But, I mean, uh, she could have checked maggots first before kissing corpse. Yeah, you know, good That's all I'm saying. Good point. And, and, and then that's followed by Francis Pullman being interviewed by Norman. And, and, again, not sure exactly what that's all about. But they do mention the Ouroboros, which... Seems to come up in every show we watch or talk lot. about. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So I, I will give Hemlock Grove, though, their due because 2013, this is you know, pretty early in the run. So yep. you know, maybe some of the people uh, picked up on that. But you know, I, I guess the one story that, that really kind of compelled me to invest in this episode is the one where we've got the animal predator expert who's brought into the investigation – played by Candace McClure, Fred seemed to imply in his feedback this is the first time he's encountered Candace McClure. Well, then he hasn't seen Battlestar Galactica then, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, Fred, what the <laughs> hell? Maybe he hasn't that, seen it. Well, I understand that, but you just don't. What's you understand doing? it, but you don't understand it. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so she's playing Doctor Shasur from Fish and Wildlife, and and you know you wonder whether she's secretly making air quotes when she says Fish and Wildlife because is that like code for some clandestine organization that you know looks into this sort of thing? Well, we're right, especially like this show was made after Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, in which. Uh, Will Farrell plays a uh, an agent from Fish and Wildlife hunting down Jane Silent Bob. I know this is all stuff you already know, Dave, but I was just figured I'd let the audience know. Um, yeah. So, so whenever, whenever I hear Fish and Wildlife, 
I, you know, I think of you know Will Ferrell, and it's not necessarily a serious thing that I'm thinking about there. You know, so I watched Ricky Bobby the other night. It was on again. I, it's one of those movies I watch it every time, no matter yeah. at, at what point it is. Nothing wrong with that. No, it was great. But uh, she's got some sort of connection with this priest who. Yeah, I think he might even say, or she, I don't know, but he's apparently a father figure to her. So now we've got that religious connection, perhaps, and we hear about Michael being in town and, and everybody's concerned. And again, not going on to the next episode, a lot of this stuff will never get resolved. And, you know, Fred even mentions this is sort of a setup episode, even though very often third episodes are are really pivotal episodes in in the show's first season but here not that it's not pivotal but it it does seem to be more of a setup so you know i I guess we'll find out about michael being in town later but we we certainly don't hear but uh, I, i just really love the character of dr shasur she's so cool and and she's very sherlock like when she's out in the field at the murder scene mm-hmm. and all those hemlock grove cops are just, you know, standing around. Uh, you know, like, what, is she, what is she looking at? You know, right. <laughs> and uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, a male about yeah. six foot one, 190 pounds white. How can you tell he's white? <laughs> it's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> Which is, line. that's, that's, not really fair, but but it was. Funny. I know, but it, it, <laughs> it was. Funny. You know, and and the irreverence. I think in a world that is becoming increasingly, maybe overly politically correct. Sure. You know, it's 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 a nice and and again, you mentioned Will Ferrell and Ricky Bobby. I mean, my gosh, every everything about that movie is uh, politically incorrect, but. You know, we we find you know we're now dealing with these two deaths of Lisa Willoughby and Brooke Bluebell, and they're clearly in a state of you know, mauling at the at the hands of mm-hmm. some wild animal, which they're trying to figure out what it is. But we we certainly get the sense that Chasseur doesn't think it's a typical yeah. normal she wild is, animal. She is solidly. Of the opinion that this is a werewolf, right? right well, yeah, and she comes right out and asks Peter, are you a werewolf? Yeah. Um, and in front of, like, another cop who must be like, what? Yeah, another Battlestar Galactical alum. Yeah. Um, the chief. Yeah, his Aaron Douglas, right, the actor. Uh, I believe so, that's his name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, you know, she deduces that the animal left the body as a trophy to be discovered one that's capable of empathy. So so we know what she's implying here is that it is a human and a human that also happens to be a werewolf. She's not necessarily ready to fill in the chief on that yet, but or the sheriff, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we can just call him chief. That feels so nice just to talk about him again. Right. <laughs> but uh, the character of Christina, again... You, you gotta love her, and I, and I know we talked about her previously. Th- this budding young novelist, and she's perhaps a little too full of herself for her life and artistic experience at that point. But 
that's that's still fine. And the sheriff brings Shasur to see her. Oh, so you're like Hannibal Lecter for animals. Uh, Again, there's just some great lines in this yeah. episode. No, it was, it was super well written for sure, yeah. Yeah, and she also mentions the predator as a he, and that obviously raises some questions. I mean, we don't have any indication that Christina knows anything she's not saying, do we? Not that I recall. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think she saw, you know, Peter transform from a werewolf back into a naked 20-year-old. Right, no, no. We just, you know, I don't know. You get a feeling like this isn't her introduction to this. Like maybe she's kind of been chasing Peter for a while now or something. Right. So she's obviously he's never met uh, her, but um, I don't know. I mean, she's obviously aware of the supernatural element that that's involved in this, um, and you know, it feels like this is not her first rodeo. Right. And, and I also like the relationship that's developing not only between Peter and Roman, but Peter's mother Linda as well. Now that she knows that Roman knows about Peter and you know, Peter's, I I guess you could say he's so cool with it that he falls asleep on their couch and he, he's there the next morning when Peter comes in after, you know, being out doing whatever. And I guess the idea is that he doesn't really remember what he does when he's in werewolf form. Right. But he's super tired. Right. So whether that's a skill that he'll develop as he gets more comfortable with his wolf side. Uh, don't know, but uh, nonetheless, mom and Peter are ready to leave town because, you know, she's concerned that Roman knows and, and, and we get that she doesn't trust Roman to keep his mouth shut. I mean, she doesn't really know Roman. Peter doesn't really know Roman and, and what they know of him probably doesn't, instill a lot of confidence right. that he'll well I, I think really just destiny is the one who really convinces him you know she says go right. run now so it seems like that's what really gets him the the kick in the butt so to speak um because he does seem you know destiny seems to have a it's kind of like a, a maybe a mage like role in this family yeah, and again, another great character. I, I love that scene with that that couple that come yeah. in, and you know, I, I guess the idea is that they're hiring her as a prostitute. They're going to have a little threesome, but you know, she's got a little scam going, and yeah. they run out screaming without their money, and <laughs> their threesome virginity still intact. So. <laughs> Is that but, a thing? I guess it's a I thing. don't know, I guess. But uh but the other thing that I found interesting is is when Shasur is interrogating Peter and it's clear she suspects him, notes that he's hairy, which dude is not hairy. No. I'm like, what not are you saying? Even that his I'm not... beard is scraggly, you know? It's right. like I would not describe him as her suit. I know what that word means, and he's not her suit. No. And then they start bantering about the legitimacy of werewolfism and, and you know, uh, you know, he plays everything off. And, and of course, the poor sheriff looks totally confused. Yeah. And 
now, of course, mom and Peter realize, well, we got to stay because if we run, it sure makes us look guilty. So, yeah. you know, that's well, yeah, you know. I think, you know, the mom, you know, tells him like, OK, you know, the drill, basically, you know, so, you know, it's this isn't the first time they've it's been. The oh, shit. The most- Sorry. <laughs> Stupid phone. Well, like, you know, like every now and then. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. In, in Emily in Paris, since she doesn't speak French, oh. she has to use her phone all the time. <laughs> and, you know, that's she says something into it, and then it'll play the translation. And anyway, sorry, go nice. on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, I mean, this, this isn't, you know, the, the first time that they've been hassled. And, and of course, they, they mention how as you know quote unquote i know gypsies isn't the word to use but but that that's the word they use and, and suggesting that because of their um ethnicity that they are you know been often subject to um you know harassment at the hands of law enforcement slavic wanderers would that be better i guess we can I go guess. with that that sounds but but you know the other thing that's interesting as we said you know peter returns home naked with the blanket and he tells them he sensed something bad out there so we're sort of being led to believe that he is what's bad out there he senses something bad out there does he mean himself or is there another werewolf out there so yeah. that so, so that's cool I yeah like that. i think at this point we've developed a lot of sympathy for peter and we're yeah we know you know we're like pretty sure it's, it's not him doing it and everything you know we were talking about that scene earlier in, in the hallway at high school when, when the kids are harassing shelly and roman comes up and and Again, I guess you could probably even say it's a sci-fi trope that when he uses his power, his nose starts to bleed. Yeah. And whether this is, again, something happened a lot, whether it's something new, don't know, but definitely like it. You know, I mean, for a spoiled rich kid, I, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to Roman. I, I, I kind of like him, especially the bar scene. Yeah, you know, and, and that just shows you. I mean, everyone in town knows this kid, right? He's in high school. And he just shows up in the bar, you know, flashes a fake ID that obviously the bartender knows is fake because he knows who this kid is. But they still got to take it, you know? Right. Although he immediately calls his mother. Right. Well, there is and, that. And again, we, we, we're not sure who he's calling to come down to the bar but but we know it's related to roman and, and the bartender doesn't really make much of an effort to keep his voice down so it's almost as if he wanted roman to know that he was calling so so is this a scene that has played out before maybe yeah well i mean you know you're just you're sitting here it's the middle of the day you're in a bar this cd dive bar in western pennsylvania you know, and, uh, you know, you're trying to, obviously you're probably not in the, necessarily the greatest place in, in life at that point. And some high school kid comes in and wants to freaking talk shit and everything like, you know, just kind of ruins your, uh, your day drunk altogether. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm pretty sure you told me you did not watch the series, the order. 
on Netflix. I have not seen the order, right? Okay, that one's pretty good as well. And and you know when they mention the Order of the Dragon, it, it reminds me of some of the orders that are are part of that show, which is all about you know witchcraft. But there is a group, and I can't remember now what they're the Order of the Saint something or other. But they're all werewolves as well. Okay. Um, and that these are apparently also knights from the Crusades, so been around for close to a thousand years i i guess and and you know if these are in fact uh, slavic wanderers then we're perhaps taking the mythology back to vlad the impaler and you know, dracula and and right. you know all of that crew so sure. there's a Sure. You know, a, a lot of potential for where, where they're going to take the story. But the bottom line is it's clear these two have to work together if they're going to figure out who or what is killing people in the town. And yeah. I guess on the one hand, you could say, guys, why are you that interested? Why don't you just leave it to the adults and just go on being crazy high school kids? Uh, yeah, well, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the Scooby-Doo crew, you know, like the, uh, these meddling kids just gotta, gotta figure out what's going on. Um, I always felt that, that, that relationship between Peter and Roman is really what drives the show. It's probably not a spoiler for me to say there are peaks and troughs to this relationship, but I think essentially through it all, that's like was the, one of the most, for me, the most compelling aspect of the show was the, the relationship with the, between these two. Okay. Now, you know, also the relationship with Destiny, his cousin, and it, it seems as if she's a wealth of knowledge about these supernatural beings. I mean, that does seem to be, you know, why he really goes to see her and, and you know she says stay out of the way let nature take its course she basically tells him that the only way to stop this creature is a bullet between the eyes and i kept waiting for her to say but it's got to be a silver bullet right but no we don't we don't get that but letha godfrey you know roman calls her is she pregnant i can't remember did we learn that yep we learned that okay. uh, in episode two okay and do we know who the father is I'm pretty sure we do not. I mean, I okay. know, but oh, okay, right, right. Y'all so, don't know. <laughs> okay, and and I think for me, I, I've seen enough TV. Doesn't have to be genre that thinking Roman is the father is probably a misdirect. So, I'll, yeah. well, she says know. it's. She said, I believe she said in, in episode two that it's an angel, and of course, at the end of the episode, we see oh, this figure right. spreading uh, wings. So right. Okay, All right. we're still very, not lu- very sure. Lucifer-like. So, um, I'll take your word for it. Okay, yeah, that's another show you got to. Yeah, I know. I, I've actually heard a lot of people saying good things about Lucifer, so I'll, I'll think about. It. Yeah, Fred mentions Roman's mother as being a pivotal character in the show, and and I know. He hasn't gone on either. I don't think he's seen beyond episode three. Maybe he's seen four. And I, you know, Fred will correct me if I'm wrong. But while she's sort of creepy in her own right, um, 
haven't necessarily seen anything yet that would lead me to believe she's yeah, anything I, other than, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Fred was really bringing up Lily Taylor mostly because she was just in uh, Perry Mason. Oh, okay. And she okay. was playing, and I've, I'm pretty sure Lily Taylor, if she, she's probably just a, a little older than me, but she was always felt like a contemporary. Like when she was a teenager, she was a, uh, you know, she was in teenage movies that I was watching when I was a teenager, you know? So for her yeah. to be in the series where she's playing Tatiana Maslany's mother. Yeah, was, good point. Was kind of not good for me. <laughs> Didn't yeah. like that. But I love Lily Taylor. She is a, a fantastic actress. And I've, I've loved her. I mean, you know, as much as like, not like love. I'm not like sending her letters or, you know, you know, pictures of my hair or anything like that. But but she's a really good actress and, and she's, you know, very rarely like the star. She's usually kind of like a supporting role, but she's always awesome. In yeah. it. Oh, M- Mystic Pizza. Mystic oh. Pizza, right. Well, she was the star of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Say Anything, she was great in that. You know, like she's she's just awesome. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. Um, I've only seen the first episode of Perry Mason. So off the, again, that's one that I, I – I liked the vibe. I just, yeah. I don't know. Just if you can make it, that, that first episode is tough to get through. Yeah. Well, but we if did you get could, through if it. If you could get through episode one, then the, it's smooth. I'm not saying smooth sailing, but it is, it's very good and not okay. as disturbing as that first episode. Okay. Well, I mean, I know Fred is mentioning Lily Taylor in his feedback, but he also mentions... Uh, and, and I think the actress's name, and he mentioned this before, Famke. Uh, oh, Famke the, Janssen, yeah. Right. She was so, in the, the X-Men movies, dude. You know that guy. Oh, uh, okay. So that that's kind of who I was really talking about a few minutes ago. And, and Peter goes to see Roman at his house, and, of course, she answers the door, doesn't know who he is, or does she? Because then she mentions him being a gypsy, yeah. So she she yeah. knows who he is. Oh, okay. And and you get the sense that this is her town. She knows what's going on sure. in her town. And and, yeah. and again, Peter's family has been in this town before. Right? Yes. I mean, they're living in what does he say? His, his uncle's his trailer. His uncle's trailer, yeah. Yeah. So uh you know, he comes there finally uh Roman appears and and he tells him we need to talk and of course, Peter's worried that Shasur is going to dig up enough info to put him away. And, you know, I've seen but this all what? before. As, yeah, a, as a werewolf? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think, you know, it's, it, it, I just don't feel like there's laws against being a werewolf, you know. Like, well, yeah, but there's laws and there's laws. We know she's not with fish and wildlife sure. or whatever she claims, despite what her badge says. So I, I, I think he senses danger here if if nothing else from the fact that she is just so bold to come right out and say are you a werewolf yeah because on the one hand she might say or uh, i I mean on the one hand she's taking the chance that what are you crazy on the other hand letting them know that you know i'm on to you dude yeah so i I like how peter handled that whole oh i do too you know he was very polite and you know, werewolves don't exist, man. You know, like that. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And and then, you know, we see them examining Lisa Willoughby's 
body or what's left of it. And you get the flashback of Pullman witnessing the killing and then that whole creepy dialogue about the, the thing inside your little girl. And then, of course, there's that quick shot of the angel spreading its wings. Again, one of those shows that you leave way more confused than when you started. So, right. Well, you know, if, as a you know, kind of a setup episode that you would be expected, right? Like, sure, it's not answering any questions. It's just on the the mysteries that are involved in here are kind of still being unraveled. Right. Exactly. Right. So, uh, anything else you want to bring up? I think when there was when I have when Peter touches her cheek, but when Roman touches Shelley's cheek, he leaves like a little blue streak, right? Oh that? yeah, yeah. So that was uh, pretty cool. I like how um, when when Peter shows up at the Godfrey house, um, Olivia asks if they're reading Wuthering Heights, and oh yeah, then <laughs> compares him to Heathcliff, who she calls a a proto Marxist class warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. Um, and then and then his response: oh, I'm still on chapter one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, how many kids have we taught like that? Dave? Yes. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you know, um, obviously, yeah, as we said, there's there's not really any kind of questions being answered here. But uh, you know, the the mystery of what's going on is deepening. Uh, we're really starting to kind of get into these characters. Uh, you know, and like I said, I mean, I, I said the how that that relationship between Peter and Roman is kind of what drove the all three seasons of the show. Um, and Fred's going to mention this, how Olivia, how kind of well-developed an, uh, a character she is. And, you know, of course, the way uh, Famke Janssen uh, plays her, uh, she's just, you know, out of this world. Is just a very complex person with uh, just, it, you know, at this point, we just can't even get a handle on right now. Yeah, that, and that's that's what I was getting at with her as well. Um, okay, anything else? Yeah, well, I just I, I'm sure I asked you this a year ago, but have you not seen any of the first three X Men movies, Dave? Mm, I've seen the first one. What 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 are the titles? Uh, the, the first one's uh, just X Men, X Two, X Three. Um, the second one was amazing. Uh, the third one was horrible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen at least the first two, but okay. I, it's been a while. Well, Fevke so. Janssen is, is awesome. Okay. And she's really good. Of course, everyone kind of takes a, you know, a, a second backseat to uh, to Wolverine. Yeah. Um, is that, do we see scenes from the school from Professor, what's his name's? Professor X. Yeah, his school. Yeah. Okay, then, I, then I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah, Patrick Stewart at that point was yeah. playing Professor X. Okay. Uh, have you seen the commercial with uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, Luke Skywalker? No. You, All right. Daddy's not going to be able to save you this time. <laughs> my, fa- my father? I am my father. <laughs> All right, I, I don't, I don't even out. know what it's for, but... Yeah. Uh, All right, well, listen, let's hear what Fred's got for us uh, about Hemlock Grove, and we'll be right back. 
Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, this is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Hemlock Grove Season 1 Episode 3. Of course I appreciated that you are doing my Patreon choice and we are going to continue the story of Hemlock Grove. When we talked about Episode 2 it was even a Patreon call-in show because I joined you for the podcast about Episode 2. So I rewatched, of course, episode 1 and 2 and 3 again, and even listened to your podcast number 294 from even as long ago as March 2019. And seeing these three episodes back, I indeed confirm something I said before in the podcast about Ragnarok, that this Utul family in Ragnarok really reminds me of the Godfrey family here. Both rich families who rule in a small town and have quite some creepiness. In another way, Hamlet Grove and Ragnarok have another similarity, and that is... Both sides, so the good and the bad, let's say good and bad, have hidden powers. Okay, let's go into episode 3 of Hemlock Grove. Last podcast, and then I mean 84 podcasts ago, number 294, we were discussing and anticipating on this episode. Let's have a listen. So one question, Dave. Are okay. you are you going to watch episode three? Although you're not going to podcast about it, um, I, I probably will at some point. I'm good. I'm ca- good. I'm caught up. Good. <laughs> well, episode three <laughs> seems to be the episode in so many shows where things take a turn, hopefully for the better. Uh, I get that impression from <laughs> the way you just said that, Fred. So, having said that, Fred, yes, I'll commit to watching episode three. Okay. You kept your promise, Dave. You did watch episode 3. I don't know if you watched it then or that you just watched it now. I don't know if in the case of Hamlet Grove, episode 3 is really the turning point. As you just said, it is the case in most series. I think episode 2 was already a kind of turning point, which is of course silly for a second episode, but the fact that Peter showed Roman his transformation to a wolf uh, was quite devastating and quite a turning point. And even Peter's cousin Destiny declares him for crazy, especially showing this to a Yupier. Watching this episode and the previous two ones, I realize that the role that Femke Janssen plays is really marvelous. And that's not because she's Dutch. It's because she is such a complex figure and mysterious and dark and emotional on the other side and manipulating on the other side. You don't know what to expect from her if you haven't watched any further than this. And even if you did watch further, she's still a complex figure. Talking about actors, did you recognize Linda Romanchek, so Peter's mother, Wayne? She is the actress Lily Taylor, who also plays Sister Alice's mother in Perry Mason. I have a little bit the feeling that this episode is a what you always call set-up episode. Although some points were made quite clear, especially for instance the relationship between Norman and Olivia. 
I'm afraid that we have to wait until next year or even the year after to get the real turnaround episode, as you called it. I'm very curious at several things. For instance, which role will this Shelley play? What will happen to the pregnancy of Lita? And who is this angel? How will the relationship between Roman and Peter evolve? What is this whole Jupiter thing? What is the role of this creepy Dr. Price? And one intriguing figure I also find, this Officer Chasseur. With her dark skin and the very bright eyes, she also is a little weird and has connections to the clergy, to this bishop or pastor or whatever. I think she will have an important role somehow, but also has some kind of mysterious background history. Well, all reasons to watch further. Big question is only when, next week or next year? Thank you very much for doing this uh, Patreon choice. And till next time, Fred from the Netherlands. And of course, I'm curious what you're going to do next. I wouldn't be surprised if that would be the hunting of Bly Manor. Um, dude, we've talked about a lot of what Fred mentions in his feedback, but but I do want to bring up his connection. And Fred is the master at drawing connections between shows. The Udall family from Ragnarok and the Godfrey family. Yeah. Spot I, I on. I think, did we, we mention that when we talked about Ragnarok? I can't, or did Fred you know, mention it? I don't remember if anybody did or not, but uh, definitely a, a, a good... Yeah, oh, for sure. absolutely. That that's great. And I mean, he mentions how you know the 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 similarities in that both families have like supernatural abilities that are hidden in some cases hidden from even the person who possesses the abilities, but certainly hidden from the general public. Uh and that is that's a good obviously comparison, but also the fact that the big difference between the families is an economic one. Right, right. That the 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 one family controls the town um, and is very wealthy, and the other family is just coming to the town and is very poor. Right, right. Maybe not as poor as uh, Peter and his mother, but right. Still, sure. Still pretty poor. They at least have a house, and Mom's able to buy enough paint that she seems to always <laughs> be painting inside. Right, that's and, true. Uh, Rock, but anyway, Fred, thank you for the feedback, and and you know, thank you for supporting the podcast on Patreon. And you know, it's just one of those shows that I watched it, and I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. I like the characters. It it didn't really take me any time to you know kind of get into the storyline here. So will I sit down and watch episode four sometime in the next few days? I might, I, you know, especially <laughs> Candace McClure, man. I, I forgot yeah. how much I love her. Yeah, she's really good. Um, so, and, and her character here is, is just really, really yep. fantastic as well. So, uh, all right. Any final thoughts on Hemlock Grove? No, I just, um, you know, I've actually, I think I've watched the whole thing twice or you know, I, f- I feel like maybe when each season came out i went and rewatched 
the previous season. So I've probably seen like season one like three times and season two twice. I think maybe I've only seen season three the one time. Um, so it, it, I'll, it is a show. And maybe I think every year when we do this, I think, is it time for a Hemlock Grove rewatch? Because this really is a really, really, really good show. Um, one that I enjoyed very much watching. And, uh, I, you know, I know I, I keep thinking I'll come back and, and do a rewatch one day. But, you know, Netflix just keeps putting content down. There's just so much out there. It's it's almost difficult to justify rewatching something when there's so much new stuff that uh, that's out there to see. So, but, yeah, I uh, mean, we're, we're recording Monday, uh, October 5th. And like I mentioned last week, um, Haunting of Bly Manor is going to drop in four days. Yeah. So, but I'm still going to be watching and, and, Ozark, so I won't be able to watch it just well, then. No. Okay. All right. So, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Um, Fred, a- a- again, thank you for the support and, uh, you know, for your feedback each week. And that is going to do it, though, for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about. Hemlock Grove, Dark. Uh, what was the show we just got finished t- podcasting about? Brave New World. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you want to shoot us an email, the address is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the series premiere of Stargate SG One. But until then, you know, Dave, I really wasn't sure how this podcast was going to go, but. You know, win, lose, or draw, it's a good thing I'm wearing sensible shoes. 